Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. All right, let's do this. International Women's Day has been celebrated for more than a century. And by golly, we're going to celebrate it here on Your Money. I'm Michelle Martin. Thank you for joining me. Let's take a look at Asia-Pacific markets this morning. Mixed on the back of an overnight sell-off on Wall Street. Joining me now to break down all the market action on International Women's Day, Ryan Huang. Good morning. Happy IWD, Michelle. Thank you very much. We begin this morning here in Singapore with the country's biggest international tech giant, C Limited. So C owns Shopee, the digital entertainment platform Garena, and the financial service C Money. We previewed C's earnings on the show yesterday, and we noted that its business has stopped expanding. Now, that may be so, but the company's fourth quarter profits have surprised investors, and in a very positive manner as well. How so, Ryan? Yeah, C Limited has managed to swim out of a sea of red, finally swinging into the black with its first ever profit. And this is good news for the company to some extent. And a main driver for those profits was the huge cost-cutting measures that you pretty much alluded to. It's been trying to cut costs, right-size the company. It's been selling some of its stuff, pulling out from some markets. And all that has led to lower expenses to some extent. So... In the past few quarters, we've seen marketing expenses you know, just rising and rising. And then it has been hiring celebrities to market its Shopee festivals. So all that, to some extent, has started to be scaled down. And I think now you are seeing some of those fruits starting to uh, appear from those cost-cutting measures. And if you look at the expectations, analysts were looking for a loss of 400 and $34 million. But C put up a profit of almost the same amount, $426.8 million in the fourth quarter. So we are seeing this on the back of slowing revenue growth. So that kind of gives an indication that it was not based on more sales. So more Mm -hmm. cost-cutting was why we saw a stronger fourth quarter. Shares of C surged overnight. They jumped more than 20%. And after having an absolutely atrocious 2022, shares of C are now up more than 50% since the beginning of the year. So it looks like C's cost-cutting has paid off. Question is, do you think the company has solidly turned the corner, Ryan? Will investors expect it to be consistently profitable going forward from here? Yeah, it's a very big question mark because if you look at the details, you've got cost-cutting measures you know, being possibly one-off and then you have to think about the momentum. Will it still be able to get the momentum from not doing all the things it's been doing before? Marketing as well as the missing employees that you had to lay off. Will they be able to continue their momentum? And then look at some of the other details. Net income performance was helped by a series of gains from adjustments for, in accounting for debt and expenses. So these are one-off adjustments typically. So you might not see such a performance being repeated. So there is a caveat as the, as well. And we talk about how it's pulled out from some markets. So it's going to be a very tough one to call whether it's going to benefit them in the long run. Will they lose out on revenue, so to speak? Or will they be able to right-size their ship and just solidify their footing to get stronger. So it's uh, hopeful days, encouraging for Mm -hmm. now, but it is facing a lot of headwinds. 
Indeed. Let's turn now to China, where an unusual story is making headlines. Mark Mobius, the contrarian investor who has often been a big China bull, has been caught in a high-profile tussle with Chinese authorities, which is leading him to reassess his view of investing there, leaning more towards India now. It seems he had trouble transferring money out of China. So what happened, Ryan? Yeah, this has been talked about for quite some time, how there are sometimes capital controls preventing companies, investors, people taking money out of China. So Mark Mobius is putting the spotlight right now on this issue. It's not a new issue. It's something that a lot of people face sometimes. Uh, this is something that's seeing in the spotlight 3 million yuan. That's about 430,000 US dollars. So he's saying he has had a lot of difficulty transferring that money out of the country. And despite all the paperwork that he has been putting forth, he's been getting a lot of pushback. And I think it kind of gives you that sense it is not that easy to invest in China if you want to move your money around. So it is one of those caveats about investing in some of these emerging markets. Indeed. So Mobius just wanted to transfer funds from his HSBC account in Shanghai to another HSBC account in Hong Kong, but lots of hurdles he found were in the way. Mobius says uh, the transfer finally went through. China denies that it is restricting capital flows. So do you think that international investors may pretty much show more reticence about investing in China given this. They've always been risk, as you say, but it's not often that you hear a high-profile complaint like this one raised by Mark Mobius. Yeah, I think China will be very careful in terms of how it manages these incidents. And yes, maybe some knee-jerk responses with these headlines hitting the top of the news. Uh, but by and large... China has benefited from inflows from foreign investors for a long time and I don't think we can expect that to stop anytime soon. There is a huge potential in China and there are always ways to get around these hurdles. So as we've seen in many years before, companies have invested in China and benefited from investing in China and I'm sure there are ways to manage the capital, so to speak. If we zoom out now, Beijing is ordering its biggest regulatory revamp in decades. One reason for this is that China is aiming to counter U.S. curbs on technology exports to it. But the shakeup could have far-reaching effects. Tell us more. Yeah, this is a big one because we've seen in the past few years the U.S.-China tensions brewing. And then we had the U.S. tech dispute in terms of how uh, they've been accusing China of using some of the tech for well, unfair reasons on the national security front. And then now it gets stepped up a notch potentially with a uh, bit of a revamp when you have China just revamping how it's overseeing some of its industries. And it's creating a new agency to manage data and also looking to supervise the financial industry more closely. So among the things it's doing is restructuring the Ministry of Science and Technology. So this will help to better allocate resources to overcome some of its challenges we've been talking about, including the US trying to cut off its advanced technologies from flowing into China. So it's trying to step up efforts to develop that front. And then when you look at some of the 
big changes or announcements we've seen in the past few days from the MPC. It's an overhaul of how it's supervising regulation in the financial sector. So right now you've got a few agencies supervising different things in the financial ecosystem. It's now trying to create a larger umbrella, so-called one-stop shop to look at everything so there are no missing gaps or blind spots. I think that's a good part, a good move to play because you have a lot of advancement in the financial aspect of things and sometimes regulations take take a bit to catch up with these new advancements. So if you have someone who oversees everything, there's more clarity about who is overseeing what and this is, um, I think, going to help China, I guess, uh, solidify its supervision in the fintech space. Definitely going to watch the twists and turns of China's biggest regulatory revamp in decades. Let's segue to the U.S. now, where the U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's testimony before the U.S. Senate has rattled investors. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 1.7%. The S&P 500 dropped 1.5%, one of its worst days of the year so far. The Nasdaq finished down more than 1% as well. So in a nutshell, what exactly did Powell say that spooked the markets? Yeah, he came through with quite a bit of hawkish rhetoric and it was what the markets feared, that he would be alluding to how rates would stay higher for longer. So if you look at what he came through with his comments, he talked about how he might see the Fed need to do more because the latest economic data has come through stronger than expected. And this suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. So this is something that will be um, quite important to chew on as we head into the FOMC meeting in two weeks' time. So that could mean a couple of things. One is that the peak or terminal rate could be higher. So bear in mind, going into this year, it was at around 5.1%. Right now, markets are pricing in around 5.5%. So in terms of rates, there is room to go higher. And then in terms of quantum or magnitude of rate hikes, that could also go up in terms of the sense of urgency. So previously you was at 25. There is now more expectations being raised about a 50 basis point rate hike to just counter the inflation data that still continues to run hot. So market analysts now reassessing just how far the Fed may raise rates. Goldman Sachs has upped its forecast by a quarter point to a range of 55 to 5.75%. And some observers think there's a growing chance that rates will rise above 6%. Rising rates are bad for share prices, and we definitely saw that in U.S. market action overnight. So which companies were amongst the hardest hit? Yeah, no surprises when you have such um, a prospect of rates going up. Typically, the growth names would suffer a bit of a dent. And in that aspect, you've got the likes of Apple and Apple, as well as Google parent Alphabet. And these familiar fang names just suffering a bit of pressure, down at least 1%. Banks also were hit. And that seems to be interpretation interpretation of how higher rates could mean a slower economy and possibly slower loans growth. So bank stocks were actually some of the biggest losers overnight. And then if you look a bit deeper, shares of EV makers also tum- tumbled. And among the names that seem to be uh, making the bottom of the list, you've got the likes of SVB Financial Group, Signature Bank, First Republic Bank, M&T Bank, Fifth, third, Bangkok, so all banks. And then DXC Technology, 
Freeport McMoran. So these are just some of the many names at the bottom of the list when it comes to biggest losers on the S&P 500. Yesterday on the show, we talked about how TikTok is coming under increasing pressure in the United States with a bipartisan bill being moved forward in the U.S. Congress that could ban the app. This legislation has a new high-profile backer. And who is that, Ryan? Yeah, it is the, well, Biden administration. So no surprises Mm -hmm. that you are seeing his... Uh, I guess, uh, uh, administration backing his stance. And this is something we've been talking about for quite some time, TikTok in the crosshairs. And no surprises as well, with the anti-China rhetoric starting to build up, it is starting to reach a point where you've got bipartisan um, support to some extent. And I think you might see higher chances of that going through. So here is what's going to happen if it does go through. It will give the U.S., the power to force the sale of any foreign-owned technologies, applications, software, or e-commerce platforms if they present a national security to U.S. users. So that kind of gives a lot of room for interpretation. But by and large, you can likely see ByteDance's TikTok in the crosshairs. And then the catch here is, will it actually Mm -hmm. go past the finishing line? Because you have the idea here, the proposal stage, it needs to go through the Senate committee and then you've got the House Speaker he needs to make it a priority to put it forth for the House of Representatives so you've got a few more hurdles before you actually see it materialise so still some ways to go Yep, we'll keep an eye out on those measures intended to counter security threats from TikTok. The question at the heart of this, and it gets murkier the more you try to dig into it, if TikTok influences a billion users, asks an SCMP headline, and who influences TikTok? Who's still making the decisions? Is it still ByteDown's founder, Zhang Yiming? He's no longer at the company's helm, but some say he's still making the big decisions. So keep an eye out on that. Let's take a look at corporate news. And we're going to start off with Lego, Ryan. All right, let's go with Lego. And it is going to be an up for me, building higher (laughs) on its bricks as we see sales go up. And this is with more stores in China. So that's the prospects of, I think, where market growth is coming from. China, no surprise. Also, strong demand from Western Europe and the America's markets. They delivered... 17% 17% growth in 2022. Did you like Lego? I'm always surprised that it's enduring um, popularity. Yeah, I think the magic here is how they managed to reinvent themselves so much and also come up with all these catchy videos, uh, these ah. cartoon series that you might find on Netflix. You've got the ninjas, you've got the cities. So all painting a story for you to be invested in and then to buy the toys. Oh, okay, okay. And to check out those videos then. Let's look at Adani, the embattled Adani group. Yeah, I am looking at Adani with the view that it is going to be an up. So it has prepaid over $900 million worth of financing. So it's up for me because it kind of helps with the optics that it has, the cash flow to kind of shore up its balance sheet. So by prepaying, it helps with its gearing levels and its various financial indicators. So that's enough for me. 
The Adani Group continuing to take steps to reassure investors. And so, yes, the latest is that prepayment paying back more than $1 billion in loans earlier than it needed to. We'll see how far this goes to boost investor sentiment, but that should be an up for Adani. The cybersecurity company CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike is an up for me. And this is around the cybersecurity business. So there were some questions. Would tax spending, those cuts in tax spending, have an impact on cybersecurity budgets? The clear answer is no, because perhaps you've got all these issues playing out, cross-borders, geopolitical tensions. That is still driving growth in the cybersecurity business and CrowdStrike is benefiting from that. So it is also pointing to a rather optimistic outlook and pipeline in terms of what it expects um, despite the fa- in the face of rising interest rates, inflationary pressures, people still need these cybersecurity uh, software. Indeed, CrowdStrike's earnings numbers have come in above expectations and its stock jumped 7% on the news. So that is an up for me for CrowdStrike this morning. Let's look at Apple. Uh, Apple is reluctantly, I say, an up because it is one of those tricks it has always been pulling. So Apple has come up with a new color for its old phones. I am sure there's going to demand going to be a demand for these um, new colored iPhone 14s, and the color is yellow. Well, I'm sure there are fans of yellow colored iPhones out there who have well been waiting for a yellow iPhone. So it's all part of the strategy to just come up with new stuff until they have more new stuff which is the iPhone 15, which is likely to come out later this year. But in the meantime, they can keep the buzz around iPhone products going by offering people well, what is possibly a new option to add to the midnight, blue, purple, red, and starlight options. So if you're missing a yellow in your collection, then it's here right now. Hello, yellow. Apple releasing a new color. It's pretty cool looking, I have to say. And it's always a cool trick as well to drum up attention and sales in between the launch of new models. Um, So I'll give it an up. Why not for Apple? Let's look at Meta. Meta, it's going to be a down for me. And this is where we have more of the same. And we are talking about (laughs) layoffs yet again. Second round of cuts in four months. You have to bear in mind it has already cut big time in the past in the past um, round. Eleven thousand workers. That is almost three or four times what we have here at SPH. So it is a huge round and more to come. And I think this really just brings to mind how much of a slump we are seeing in the tech sector, the ad spending, the expenses. So all that coming together to weigh on Meta's outlook. So that's not good news for Meta, but good news for stocks, which is, I think, interpreting it as how it is right-sizing for a better future. Mark Zuckerberg reportedly planning to lay off thousands of employees, perhaps as early this week. The markets like the news. I think it's a bad look for Meta's business. I'm giving it a down. Um, Such a tale of contrast, right? When we're reading about Paradise Group employees receiving a Rolex watch, all 98 of them. Yeah, Rolex watches. um, (laughs) That is something that will, I guess, keep some employees around. It is one of those things that is important to do. Recognize your loyal stuff. 
I would love a Rolex watch, just in case any of the bosses are listening. I also love the story of uh, Homegrown Paradise Group doing so well, going from Chacha store to, you know, being able to hand out these Rolexes. Very, very cool. All right. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much, Ryan Huang there. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.